Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, welcome to In The Pink, sponsored by Bose. Stay home, stay healthy, stay connected. Um... Is it my imagination or did you drive for a lot of different teams or is that commonplace in touring cars? Um, I mean, yes, it's commonplace, but because I've been doing it for so long, you know, mm. m- most of my deals were multiple year deals. I mean, I, you know, I was at Williams for three years then Vauxhall for two. And then I managed to get Sayat engaged with motorsport and, and, and help bring them in and, and was with them for, for five years. And then at the end of 2008, when the financial crash was, they pulled down. I mean, I had another two years left on my deal. And then it was like, Jesus Christ, what do we do now? And then managed to entice Chevrolet in, was with them for two or three years, and then went to MG for three years. What do we do then? And then got the Subaru thing involved and was there for three or four years. So, yes, I've been with a lot, lot of teams, but generally they've been multi-year deals. Uh, and, and that's the way I like it to be. And it's, it is seriously impressive that you are still at the sharp end at the grand old age of 51? Are you 51 or 52? Ah, 52! But bloody hell, that's impressive. I mean, um, does, does touring cars lend itself to old age pensioners driving? Or is that... <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you know what? I honestly think it does, Nats, to a certain degree. Really? Why? Well, A, because the way it's evolved, that the testing is, is very limited. We're not allowed to do it. So having an, a, you know, a good knowledge uh, pays dividends. And also there's a thing, there's a thing you know, they're predominantly front-wheel drive cars. They're, they're not very kind on tyres. So tyre management over the course of the weekend is very important. And that's something you just have to learn. And that only comes with experience. Uh, and then there's the racecraft. You know, it's very easy to get caught up in chunks. And over the, over the years, you, you, you just almost develop a, almost like another sense where you, you know when to, when to roll with a punch, when to back out, when just to just play, play it. Uh, and that I think if you're a bit eager and a bit young and I remember when I was you got into a few scrapes and actually that then doesn't yield a good result at the end of the year and the other thing is it's not I mean, yes it is physical but we're not fully massive G 
you know, the only, and the races are relatively short. They're 40, 45 minutes long. All right, we do three in a day. But the big thing is they're bloody hot inside. And I've never suffered with heat. And that's probably why, it's, why it's, I'm still okay at 52. And, and, you know, I watch some of the young lads get out and they're like lobsters. And I think some people are okay with heat and some people aren't. And fortunately, touch wood, I've been all right with it. Um, so yeah, I think it does lend itself to pensions. And yeah. um, from the things that you've said, you seem to be very commercially savvy. You know, you've brought big brands in to the sport and, and work with them. And actually, without embarrassing you, um, someone I spoke to before talking to you today described you as one of the most intelligent people in the business, certainly one of the sharpest operators in motorsport. How aware are you I know you're blushing now. Where, where do I send the check? I know. Very nice, wasn't it? But, but how kind of aware are you of um, just being the importance of working with and developing these relationships to make the, 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 the team, the car work for you? Because there's clearly elements of the politics and the industry that you don't like and don't want to conform to. There's others that you're clearly very naturally gifted at. You know, you're very good with people and you, you are pretty self-deprecating. I mean, you write a book, for God's sake, uh, how not to be, well, hang on, how not to be a professional racing driver. And yet you tick a lot of boxes in, in, in actually creating what's been an incredible career. And that's not just about being behind the wheel of the car. Uh, no, and that was a very strategic decision. Uh, and... Um, do you know what? I, I've driven against some really epic drivers. Some were bit better than me. And they didn't make it because they just weren't sharp enough. They didn't work hard enough behind the scenes. They didn't get their bum in the car. They weren't regular getting sponsors. And, and, and actually a lot of drivers, uh, certainly, you know, in, in, in my time, weren't very good at that. And, and um, I quite enjoy it, actually. You know, I, I'm, I like business. I like selling stuff. You know, I, I like going after a deal, um, and I and I and, and it was. I tell you when it was. It was when Super Touring ended, and when my Vauxhall deal went, went and I got sacked. That those were kind of the last time um, I just drove a racing car and did bugger all else until they said, right, go there, do this, do this PR. I wasn't very proactive. And then the industry changed a little bit and that the big budgets um, fell away. And, you know, I was without a drive. <clears throat> you know, I got fired from Vauxhall at the end of 2001. And uh, I wanted to try and go to NASCAR, went over there to have a little look at that. And I just, I loved what I saw, but I just couldn't break in because I didn't have the commercial deals. And then I started to call Seat and realized that if I could make myself the epicenter of their, of their marketing, uh, the, you know, their mix, their marketing mix, and could get everything working around the motorsport, and I could position myself in the middle of it all, then actually I became much more valuable to the program than me just being a driver. And then, of course, then you then get the marketing people around you, you then get the media people around you, you then get you know, all different commercial aspects of the business, the fleet department, you're then in the system and you're, you're in it 
not just as a driver, which is you know, appealing to a very small section of that business, you're then across all of it. And you become pretty indispensable. And that's certainly what happened at SEAT. And probably had they been in, had you know, the financial crash of 08 not happened, I, I could probably still be there now. And you know, that was a valuable lesson. And it was work in progress, it was evolving. I was learning as I was going along. I thought, Jesus Christ, it's different now. And I just made sure that, you know, I was trying to be commercially minded and bring in sponsorship deals, not, not, not necessarily for me, but for the team and to do media style deals. I remember I put together a deal with TalkSport Radio where, you know, I would go down or do it remotely. And I put together a, a package where, say it would sponsor the show, would give away a load of goodies, which I would review. And they had to then, you know, the viewers had to, had to, to call in and guess what was in what was in the boot of loot of the of the sale, you know, whatever it was at that point. It was the uh, what was it? I forget which car it was now. The sale Leon. Le, Le but the value that that created, it didn't cost Sayat very much, but they got tenfold back in media, you know, media time, which they then could leverage with their sponsors. And that's when I started to get into this, this whole mud sport marketing. I loved it. And I was the only one doing it at my le 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 level. And, you know, I guess there's still a lot of F1 drivers who don't even get involved in that. But I loved it. And do you know what? That's the one thing which has kept me in a race car because I could go out and put deals together. You know, I, I got Chevrolet in, involved, really, although Ray Malik definitely helped. But we managed to get Chevrolet UK. MG was totally down to me and my business partner, Heidi. Um, likewise, Subaru uh, and Seat, you know, and I'm really proud of that. Really proud of bringing in manufacturers and also, you know, big spot sponsors. We've got Tesco into into motorsport. You know, we've put together this KX Academy with it, which is a, a you know a Red Bull Energy style drink, but a Tesco owned brand. Where we supported young up and coming drivers and put serious money in their pocket, and then did workshops with them on a monthly basis to teach them about marketing. Uh, teach them how to speak to cameras, teach them how to play the media, you know, and a lot of them couldn't operate and write a spreadsheet. Come on, guys. Um, and we put this academy up and we, we told her, you know, a few of them are doing rather well now. And that, I love that. I love that. I'll just pick you up on that one phrase, though, play the media. Please don't play us. <laughs> no, I mean, occasionally we do, and we've got to, don't we? <laughs> I'm really joking. Um, I tell you what. What is interesting about all of that is that it none of it was at the expense of winning, because that some people that would be for some people that would be a distraction from what they're there to do, which is to drive a car, race a car, and win. But you've always had this winning mentality. Just tell us about that. Where does that come from? Oh yeah, I think I'm just I'm, I'm made. That's my makeup. You know, I never, uh, obviously, you know, I've got to give credit from mum and dad and, and that, you know, I was brought up, uh, you know, th th this, this, and it's quoted a lot nowadays, you know, it's, it's, it's a taking part that counts. Utter bullshit. Winning is all that matters. If you do something, you do it to win. Unless, of course, you're doing something like, you know, the village is pushing a rowing boat down the Thames to, generate a bit of cash for whatever, that's different. But if it's competitive, 
you go there to win. Okay, so I'll throw it back at you. If you don't win, how do you cope? Because there'll be people listening to this now that no doubt there's been big shifts in the paradigms of working. And um, I think there's been definitely mental health struggles throughout lockdown and they will go beyond that. And some people will be just trying to adjust to the new world and to what's expected of them. And they want to get out back out there and back out winning. How do they do that? And if it doesn't come easily, because it's certainly only one person can win. There's lots of other, exactly. you know, and, and you know, I've, I've lost more races than I've won. It's just a fact of life. And I think this, you know, almost goes full circle back to, you know, not having this, you know, I'm not neurotypical. I've got a few of the leaves of a bit of autism, focus, whatever we might want to call it. And I think it's very easy to put labels on, but certainly, you know, I didn't, you know, A, I hate losing. I'm a really bad loser. I hate it. Even if it's Monopoly, I don't like it. But I have the, the uh, I have a thing where I just go, right, next, next one. And, and, so someone asked me a question the other day about you know what's it like to win a race and stuff and honestly it lasts a few minutes because the the really sexy bit is doing it is in the moment when it's over it's gone and it literally within before i've got back to part for me i'm thinking about next thing it's just it's it's happened and, and 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 i think that's i think you need to have that ability to to not dwell on stuff you, you've got to intensely hate losing uh, and hate not putting in a performance and not doing your best. Uh, but you've not got to get caught up on, you know, the bad feelings of failure. You've just got to, you know, you run at the wall, you, you smack into it, you fall over, you pick yourself up, you run again. And you keep doing it until the wall eventually, you might be covered in bruises, you, you know what I mean? But you keep doing it. And actually, it's, it's it's that analogy which I think is the differentiator between those that do and those that don't. It's not because they're not talented, you know, it's because the ones that really want it will go to the nth degree and just keep going and keep going and keep going. And, and you know, I, I firmly believe you can have whatever you want in this world, you can achieve whatever, but you just gotta want it really insanely, insanely. And then you can achieve it. Yeah, you know, I remember as a kid, I was given a book by, by, by my dad. Oh, and I was only, what, 10, something like that. And it was by Richard Bark, and it's Jonathan Livingston Siegel. Have you ever heard of that book? Yeah, of course. It's an amazing book. And you know what, that, that is really dear to my heart, that, because there's lots of hidden messages in there. Um, yeah. So, you know, you just got... You know, like when I woke up full of hell and went to the doorstep Frank. Had I not done that, we wouldn't be speaking. I wouldn't have had a career. Thanks so much for listening to In The Pink. I hope you've enjoyed the podcast you've listened to so far. Please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. Check out our Instagram page at in underscore the underscore pink. And you get all the details there about how you can win some of those Bose noise cancelling headphones. And Join the community. We're all talking about the various guests that we've had on the podcast and who we'd like to see and hear in the next few weeks. So thank you for joining us. Stay with us. Stay healthy. Stay home. 
Stay connected with Bose. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.